as a museum, we make sure that we include our tradition, our uh, society needs in a way. So, so if you see that, in my mind, the museum have a really important role to make sure that the generation in the futures have the same traditional knowledge that we have today, but also have the knowledge uh, about the change that is going on. Mm. I think that the museum role is is the key role in connecting past and future in a way. Mm. Mm. Because we are losing something, but hopefully we are also winning something. That was Anamai Oli. She's the director of the largest Sami museum in Norway, Reduduat Museat. The museum manages photographs, art, and information on Sami cultural heritage. Anamai says that the museum is thinking 100, 200 years into the future about how what they're documenting today will affect and inform Sami people in the future. For example, the vitality of reindeer husbandry, something the Sami people have been practicing for generations, is a concern. On top of climate change causing diminishing grazing areas, the Norwegian government is taking land from Sami people by putting things like windmills and power lines on their land. Anamai says that the museum is focused on documenting these changes to keep a record of the past and the present in order to inform the future. That there's a strong possibility that northern countries will be looked at for guidance in a future affected by climate change. She has a vested interest in Norway. In addition to her work at the museum, she's a farmer. Her husband is a reindeer herder. Her kids are farmers and reindeer herders. And she's of Sami heritage. So here she is, Anamaya Lee. Welcome to Chattermarks, a podcast of the Anchorage Museum, dedicated to exploring Alaska and the Circumpolar North through the creative and critical thinking of ideas, past, present, and future. My name is Cody Liska. And I'm Dr. Sandro De Bono. I'm a museum thinker from the Mediterranean island of Malta, and I work with museums to help them strategize around possible futures. And we'll be your hosts. In this Chattermark series, we talk to museum directors and knowledge holders about what museums around the world are doing to adapt and react to climate change. So a lot of the Sami Museum's work is focused on an, an indigenous perspective, but how do you go about reconciling that with the national perspective? Well, we are, uh, uh, as every other museum in Norway, we need to follow what uh, the governmental um, expectation of what a museum is. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also have this um, Sami parliament that is actually putting the, the, uh, the politics in practice 
in a way, in a semi-perspective. So they have their own like uh, museum plans and uh, directives of what a museum is. And um, it's really good that they actually says that also the Sami museums are following ICOM. So it's for us, um, uh, we are going to be, and we are just like any other museum, but we are working in the, in our own perspectives that we are using our own language, our own uh, history and traditions and culture mm-hmm. in practice in the museum's work as well, as well. You know, I read that Norway which is where your museum is committed to climate change action, has a thriving oil industry. What does that look like? And how would that reflect on the ambitions of the Sami nation spread beyond national borders? Well, the oil industry, we actually doesn't see so much of that in our area. Um, It's more, um, I think they see more of that in the South, even though some of the, uh, oiling area, what uh, what you can call it, um, are also in our areas. We have one in Hammerfest, uh, is, but it's more like on um, gas. Um, what we see in the Sami areas is the electrifying. Is that the English word? <laughs> That's for Norwegian. Um, it's more the the that not the oil actually, uh, but we see the the windmills we see the yeah. uh, mining industry we see the um what do you call it cobble linear stream cobble what's that in english the power line actually uh going through sami area so so we are seeing like if norway is going to reduce oil uh, and oil have so much for the economics in Norway to say they need to find other ways of uh, of um, uh, having this industry and that is the windmills and the minings and all the things that is going on 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 uh, on land mm-hmm. and that the consequences of that that if Norway is going to get more green in a way they are taking our grazing areas they are taking our uh, areas that is uh, used for our uh, culture and tradition and and technology and technology as well um, and um, so in in a way for us uh, if Norway is going to reduce oil industry they are going to increase the others uh, where they can have some income in wine mining and windmills uh, and power line and all the other things that is going on um, but that will be a problem for like the reindeer herders uh, and the grazing areas that we have in the north. Mm-hmm. So the impact uh, is like walking on a knifey edge, edge in a, in a way, mm-hmm. um, because whatever we are choosing, it's going to impact something. What the impacts is going to be for the Sami people, uh, our culture, our uh, way of living. Um, oil or not oil if you see what I mean mm-hmm. I I really like what you said earlier and that was if Norway is going to get more green is that the way you think about combating climate change you know bringing back nature um, when they are saying that it's more green it's actually not 
going to get more greener. <laughs> okay, okay. If I can explain that. Yeah. Um, yeah, because they are uh, because of the oil is like black, and the oil uh, have some uh, issues because of the how the the impact on climate. So they are finding other ways that they think is more not destroying the the, the climate uh, and not. Uh, accelerate the climate change mm -hmm. uh, like the windmills um, and electrifying we have some uh, some good um, uh, possibility with uh, a lot of the water what do you call it in english would that be the hydroelectric um, infrastructure yeah, water water electric industry yeah yeah so so i think that we have a lot of other solutions uh, for the oil uh, in the future, that we don't need to have these diesel, diesel cars and using a lot of um, motors. Um, and in that way, Norway can be greener, but what are we paying for that? Mm -hmm. And if you th also think that Norway is the smallest country, or one of the smallest countries in Europe, and it seems like a lot of the politics going on also in Norway and how we are going to to do our part of the work making or, or um, reduce the climate change factors. It seems like we have to pay a big price for that mm -hmm. because it's going to, to take our uh, grazing areas for rangers and we have to pay the price for what uh, to sell more electric energy to Europe. And I'm not so sure if that is a good solution in the long perspective for the Sami people at all. The picture uh, that we are discussing is not fair in a way. They want us to reduce our reindeers, they want us to reduce the cows and sheep, but they are not willingly to reduce uh, the comfort for the people in the that are that that are in need for a private plane, mm -hmm. if I can say it like that, and that is I don't know if if that's also one of the issues with with uh, the oil uh, and the electrifying companies is like whose interests are the most important one and are mm -hmm. actually the climate the main concern mm -hmm. in a lot of things that is being discussed. Uh, we have a case going on in Norway at the moment, it's called the Fosensaken. And uh, that is actually uh, a really bad case in a way, because uh, it's a windmill park uh, that has been established in Fosen. And it was an ongoing uh, court case. Okay. I don't know if that's a good translate, but yeah, um, it is. Yeah, and and actually, the, Norway, uh, the state or the or the windmill company company uh, lose that case, and because it says that the human rights for the Sami people in that area are uh, not being taken in a good consideration or something like that, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. and they have to do that. They have to consider it that the human rights for the Sami people are. Um, in order that, that that they have their rights and that rights are not going to be taken away from them. It's gone 600 days since uh, the, the Sami people won that case 
uh, in the court. Mm -hmm. And it still is all the windmills there. Hmm. They are not going to reduce. They are not going to do anything. It seems like it's it's um, the economic perspective. What are they losing in money if they are taking down the windmills? Mm -hmm. um, that is their concern. Not that they have done something they shouldn't have done. They shouldn't have built anything in that area. And now they don't want to... to make it clear that they actually didn't have the allowance to do that. Hmm. Um, the money is winning in a way. Mm -hmm. They are more concerned about their income uh, than that a culture and um, uh, the Sami people, people's human rights are, are um, taking away from them. Hmm. And in a way they are like using climate change against the Sami people in a way mm. and the Sami interest in these uh, issues that we are discussing. So that's why this is so difficult to talk about in a way and it's so difficult to explain but it's because it seems like Norway is doing so good they are trying to, to, to do something about the oil industry they are trying to, to find other things that is more climate friendly Mm -hmm. But actually, what is really going on is that the Sami people are being forced out of areas or having to reduce their areas uh, where we have been, uh, we have had the grazing and the rangers for generation, gen generation, um, mm -hmm. and they are trying to ask us, or what they are not asking, they are forcing us out of the areas that we have been for generations. Do you see what I mean? I do, yeah. yeah. So, so in, in a way, um, there is a desired ambition to reach an equilibrium between the rights of the Sami people and the broader scheme of things, which is not being achieved. Is that, is that the case? Uh, in a way, yes, um, and in another way, no. Uh, everybody knows that one day there will be no oil. We know that. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have to have uh, other kind of industries, uh, and we need to see on other things that that uh, still can give Norway a good economic future. But the price, as it seems to be like, for us now is that the people of Norway is, is losing because they are not taking concern of of what we actually have. They are trying to find new industry instead of inst instead of making the ones we already have stronger. Mm. So they could have been supporting the reindeer herders. Reindeer meat is one of the most healthiest red meat you can get. It's like fish. Uh, it's really good. Um, and a lot of diseases that you can have if you're only eating meat, you don't get with reindeer meat because of the 
how the, the, the vitamins and minerals that are in the reindeer meat that isn't in normal uh, red meat at all. Mm-hmm. So, so it's like we could have done something more about the sustainability. Yeah. And it seems like that doesn't have any value anymore. Mm. So it's like the value of, of the Sami way of living is not recognized in a way. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if, if you got, uh, I, I was talking, uh, um, uh, well, I, uh, the last time, uh, about the Truth and Reconciliation Report mm-hmm. that uh, yes. was uh, done public uh, last week in Norway. Uh, and it seems like um, we have a lot to do to be recognized and respected. My question at this point in time for you would be, how does the museum come into the picture with with yeah, this, yeah. with all this, uh, all all the things that you've been sharing with us? Yes, yeah, that uh, that is one of the the things that uh, we are working with, and to to see how uh, can we as an institution try to 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 show what is going on because it's easier being an institution working with this kind of issues than one-on-one person or or these uh, reindeer herders themselves uh, and people the same people by, by as private persons so it's easier to to have an institution in in uh, to work with like as a museum like this conversation that we are having Mm-hmm. is that I, I did say yes to that because this is issues that are impacting impacting our people a lot. Um, we are working with using our own traditional knowledge, our own culture and history in the museum work. And But how can we do that in the future? Like, you know, that museums are one of the only institutions that are thinking like, 100, 200 years into the future. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is t- thinking their own lifetime as the longest. And <clears throat> in this way, uh, if we are going to to tell the Sami people that are living here in 100 years or 200 years, what are what 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 is important that we are showing them and telling them about the Sami's today? Mm-hmm. And that is one of the things my concern is that uh, one thing is the grazing issues that the reindeer herders or the reindeer husbandry have issues with now, that the reindeers have difficulties getting down to the earth and to the food. It, because of the snow is getting more icy before, it's what more, more like sugar mm-hmm. in a way. And then... Uh, how will this impact traditional knowledge in uh, reindeer husbandry? Mm-hmm. And we also see that we need to move. The re- reindeers are nomadic, and the reindeer herders are following the reindeers. And we have them in the inland in the winter time, and we have them at the coast by the summertime. And now we see that the reindeers need to be earlier in the coast than before. And that is also because we see that uh, it's it's not anymore that 
really cold period of a longer time so the ice can be more thin than before so the risk is that if we wait too long the rangers will not have this ice to walk over the uh, the the rivers and um, the water and then uh, we have experienced that the rangers go through the ice because it's not that thick anymore mm-hmm. uh, so the uh, the nomadic uh, ways the traditional way of going from one area to another one it's changing because of that mm-hmm because it's not safe anymore. And we also see that we are getting other plants uh, coming up north to the Arctic areas, that is new plants is coming. And the traditional ones that we have been used before are moving more and more north. And what I'm concerned about is, is they actually going to disappear? Mm. I don't know if them is there in 50 years or 100 years. And the same with insects, new insects that uh, ticks have come here. We haven't had that before. Uh, how will that impact uh, our way of living? Um, we don't know yet. And so it's a lot of these concerns that we as a museum can put on the table and discuss to make sure that um, we are documenting how it traditionally was. Mm-hmm. And we can use our traditional knowledge, uh, like in conservation, uh, and you use that knowledge in making sure that we have these objects also in the future. But mm-hmm. now we also have to make sure that the context about the objects are there. Like how, when you were making this object, how did you go out in the nature, making, uh, getting the, uh, the wood, as an example, um, and how are you threading the wood into this object? And how are you using the object? Uh, and how are you taking care of it when, when you're using it before mm-hmm. it become a museum object? So, so we, we are documenting and this documenting work is are quite important because we don't know how the world is going to be in 50 years, 100 years. Mm-hmm. So the documentation work is quite important and we need to discuss now uh, how are the climate change and the temperature change and this unstable climate that we are seeing that we have, how will that impact, uh, especially on diseases for for other animals as well. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of issues that we as a museum have to be working with uh, to see how it was before when we still have the people that lived the traditional way and it actually worked mm-hmm. um, and the people that is living now and we see that what we used to do, we can't do anymore. Mm. But as a museum, you have to connect the past with the future, with the time that we are living in now. That mm-hmm. the, 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 the key for that is using our time we have today to connect the 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 past and the future so it's um it's a really big job yeah that i think that a lot of the society or the politicians at least um they don't know what kind of work that is lying on the museums today mm-hmm. yes i mean this is very interesting because um you remind me of something that i read uh about the sami language having a uh, a very uh, 
long list or a, a, a broad range of, of words that, you know, that describe snow. And there are different types of snow, but the snow that uh, you have been experiencing in, in recent months uh, is different. So in a way, although as a museum you're focused on documenting and making sure that uh, the environment uh, and the Sami environment as it is today, which is also something that shapes and informs the Sami culture, uh, is not lost uh, and the knowledge of that uh, is, is, is captured and, and, and made accessible, obviously, through, through um, very many means, including technology. But then there are also, in a way, circumstances that also require new words, new, new terminology, because as you were mentioning, uh, insects, plants are moving north as well. So how do you go about reconciling this this need to preserve, but there's also the need to understand change and how to adapt to that change as a museum as well from your very particular lens. Uh, yeah, uh, the words, that, that's correct. We have a lot of words like, uh, I don't remember exactly, but a hundred words for snow. So we, we have um, a lot of um, traditional knowledge in the words. So we also see that because the Sami people as well as everybody else are adapting new technology, new, new knowledge, um, we are also uh, being a part of the society so we also we also recognize this globalization and this homogenization that is going on. Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, as a museum, we are also working with making this dictionary of words that is not in use anymore. It's important that we take uh, take the words with us and put them in context because the collection have a lot of objects that are not in the daily use by the Samis anymore mm. at all. So that's, you're correct about that we have um, a lot of work to, to do with that kind of um, issues with uh, knowledge that is going to be lost because it's not used anymore. Mm -hmm. Also adapting um, words that doesn't exist in the Sami language, but we have to make a Sami word. Uh, and that uh, the Sami radio have been working with that for decades already. So, so we have uh, a lot of new words in the Sami language that wasn't there for like 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, so that is also, also something that is ongoing and a museum also have a part in that work that, that uh, we also using the new technology and the new words that is uh, produced. Um, and we also need to recognize that the society are changing. Mm -hmm. But I'm also thinking that as indigenous peoples with uh, always have had this um, need to defend the right for using your language, mm. uh, your uh, traditional knowledge, your... Um, way of being, way of living. 
uh, you you always have to to um, be always be reflecting on that. Mm. Uh, so often I'm thinking that a lot of the people that are never thinking about this, they don't have to fight for the right for their using their own language or culture or traditions uh, like the Norwegians. I think that the, the homogenization that is going on, like English is, it's a lot of people that actually can speak English better than they can speak uh, Norwegian. Mm. So it's like, Okay, so so for us it's important to use English and Sami language, not Norwegian at all. Mm. Um, and in that perspective, so so it's okay. Who is going to lose actually if they are not working with it today mm-hmm. in twenty twenty three? And actually, that's a little late, already too late maybe. Uh, they need to be concerned about the traditional knowledge, uh, the Norwegian as well. So, so I think that uh, the indigenous communities probably have a little bit of, um, not that much, but a little bit of um, advantage uh, in this area because for us this has been an issue for many decades already to make sure that we are not losing everything, that we don't have anything to give from our our culture and language to the com- generations to come, mm-hmm. and I think that the people that is going to lose is the people that is not concerning about this at all, because of the changes going so fast now. The globalization is so strong, ongoing. You like you know more about. Um, all the countries and things that is going on in the rest of the world, then you actually know about things that is happening locally. Mm. Um, so it's, um, I don't know if, if I answer, <laughs> answer you at all, at all on that, but, mm-hmm. but I think that the museum have, have to have this, um, in a way you have to look at the pictures in the front and also the, the, the boring white, backside you need to 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 consider mm-hmm. you can't only take the the flashy nice uh picture front side you have to take the whole package and think about that and i i think that the indigenous museums perspectives in that way already have been working with this for so long time um so so we are including new words new technology in our kind of work to be able to preserve who we are as a people, who the tradition, the tradition that we have and have had and has, and hopefully it still have in the future, uh, to make sure that this is not going to be lost.
Do you have any stories or examples of documenting indigenous knowledge? Yes. Um, stories is, um, um, in a way that um, the way of growing up, uh, you're learning by doing with your parents and grandparents. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a nat- nat- natural way of, of uh, giving knowledge from one generation to another. Uh, so that is something that is we are brought up in. It's, it's, a, it's an everyday way of doing things together. Uh, so it's not nothing special with that. Um, but also in the museum context, have we had this uh, documenting project that we have been filming and doing exactly the same thing with a, a knowledge bearer, a person that have a knowledge and doing this different kind of things like like working, making the Sami traditional kind of shoes. Um, and I'm sitting with her and doing the exact same that she's doing or copying her um, in in this way of learning by doing mm-hmm. and talking together. That That's something that you can't be reading about. You have to do it. You have to feel it. You have to get it into your hands. It's in this handicraft way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been working with that for, for many years before. And it's a, it's a, uh, it's a way of, of um, showing the, the, how it normally is done in a family. Uh, this giving tradition or giving knowledge to a new generation. That is how we have been doing it for, for generations. Working together, doing it together. Yeah. Um, the children are working with us. They are they are with us in the activities that we are doing. Uh, and the challenge has been that because when we needed to go to school, we were not there doing things with our parents and grandparents anymore. We were in schools and learning another kind of, of uh, knowledge. Uh, so we have lost a lot of things because of that. We, we are not working with uh, reindeers from childhood on a daily basis. You mm-hmm. are in school. Uh, so, so you have to learn in the vacations instead. If you are working with skin that you have to first you have to get the skin and then you have to treat the skin so that you can be uh, working with it so you actually can make something out of it. So you have to follow all the processes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that we have done a lot of. Um, we had had big projects, small projects. Um, and uh, I'm also trying to to see how we as a museum can lift up our traditional knowledge on an academic level. Mm-hmm. Um, because in my practice as an object conservator, I've seen that the school knowledge or the academic knowledge that I have uh, and be working with the Sami um, collections doesn't work that well. It's very interesting. And when I have used the traditional knowledge and I'm working with the collections, I get a good result. So I'm trying also to, to make sure that 
even though the world is changing mm -hmm. um, as a museum we need to have this academic stamps on whatever we are doing um, to, to be recognized and, and um, uh, respected so, so how can we lift up our traditional knowledge uh, to be recognized as a museum uh, professionality because that knowledge is the knowledge that actually work good with our collections but the knowledge that they have from the university is not good enough mm -hmm. so that so so we have a lot of things that we as a museum can be working uh, to support our society that yes we are not going to stay forever in 1950 mm -hmm. like we are also a part of the big uh, globalization and the and homogenization that is going on. Uh, we are living like everybody else as well. Mm -hmm. But uh, as a museum, we make sure that we include our tradition, our uh, society needs in a way. So, so if you see that, in my mind, the museum have a really important role to make sure that the generation in the futures have the same traditional knowledge that we have today, but also have the knowledge uh, about the change that is going on. Mm. I think that the museum role is, is the key role in connecting past and future, in a way. Mm. Mm. Because we are losing something but hopefully we are also winning something. Mm -hmm. That's that's very interesting. And uh, um, I thought that perhaps um, the fact that you have such a focus on, on documentation and on um, acquiring a clear understanding of your of your culture um, through through the materiality and the intangible uh, that surrounds you. I think that's a very interesting thought and uh, focus, I would say. But then, on the other hand, um, what about action? As a museum, do you advocate for climate change action in a perhaps, I would say, relatively more concrete manner? Or would you still consider documentation as your, as your priority then? Documentation have to be the main priority um, because of the. It's not only the climate change; uh, it's other things uh, con concerning that as well. Like um, people are being like everybody, a Norwegian person that you 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 don't work with reindeer husbandry anymore. The the kids are getting education and move away uh, they get other kind of work working with other things uh, so in that way um, the documentation work are so important that when somebody wants to go back and uh, in a way um, take back knowledge they have lost mm -hmm. it's important that they can find it mm -hmm. On the other hand, but when the climate change issues, um, I think it's important that we documentate, docu are doing the documentation about that, what, what we are going through, 
what they are forcing us into. Uh, but it's also important that we as a museum are talking our case like, yes, it's important that Norway also do a lot of um, action to try to do something with the, the climate change. The climate change have so much impact on the Sami people as well. But it's important that we are participating or we are involved in, in these discussions. Mm -hmm. That's one of the reasons why I said yes to be a part of this podcast. Because it's important that me, uh, as a director at a Sami Museum, are talking from our perspective how this climate change politics are impacting my people. Mm -hmm. And as a, as a museum director, I have the possibility to be a part of a bigger uh, perspective in the world and uh, be a participating where we can. Yes, in fact, the question that Cody might be asking you is how do you work with artists or whether do you involve artists? Cody, we had mentioned this, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. We are working in, in many, many different ways, actually. Uh, one thing that we have the biggest Sami art collection uh, that is going on uh, for nearly 45, nearly 50 years. We have been working for getting a Sami art museum that um, is um, uh, having this national perspective. Mm -hmm. But in national, in the Sami perspective, is not national in the Norwegian perspective, because the Samis are in four different countries. Uh, so the collection are uh, from four different countries. Uh, the way that we are working is that we are um, uh, we have this Inchips uh, committee. It's a it's a it's a committee that is buying uh, art from artists. Uh, and that is how we are uh, working with the collections. But we are also uh, working with artists uh, in the way that um, we are trying to make this space for discussions, space for, what do you call it in English? Exchange, perhaps? In a way. But it's... it's, it's um, or debate? Uh, but uh, artist, uh, artists can come and be for a little period. Ah, artist in residency program. Yeah, that is really, yeah. Uh, so, so we have been um, uh, looking at that because we always get a question, can we be a part of different kind of project that is going on? Um, and uh, I think that as a museum, it's difficult for us to be like a culture center in that perspective or a gallery. So we are... Uh, in collaboration with a gallery here in Karajok, Sami Daida Uh we have this uh, exhibitions area and we have these talks and we have had these pr uh, uh, projects going on uh, that involves also artists on, on, on that side, but through uh, uh, their center, uh, their kind of work. We are working also in dialogue with the organizations that artists have, uh, also in uh, the consideration of the art museum that is not being built yet. Hopefully it will come. Uh, and I think that 
uh, we are talking a lot about this uh, the lack of the art museum because the the Sami artists are putting in pictures in a way in a way in a, a way of saying uh, a lot of the issues that we are experiencing in Norway uh, historically but also today mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like uh, Sara, you have probably heard about her she have uh, if you visit the Norwegian National Museum the first art you actually can see when you come into the building is her artwork hmm. um, and it's a, it's a, a, a semi flag of reindeer skulls that have been shot uh, like you have this bullet hole in the head hmm. and that is a really good artwork on these issues that we are uh, it's so many that have this interest in Sami grazing area, the reindeer, reindeer grazing areas, and we are being pushed out. And the government actually comes in and says that we have to reduce how many reindeers we have in that area hmm. because we are losing the land to others. And uh, the artists do a lot of good work in that and and as a museum it's difficult for us to be a part of all the things they are doing so they have established a really good um artist um, um what do you call it not not a residency but they are also working with the possibility of residency i don't know what they actually concluded it with but daidadalu in in Kautukainu also have been working and, and being a spoke speak persons for the artists in this area uh, so the artists are members uh, of Daita Dalu uh, so, so for us it's, we are a mu- traditionally museum in this colonialized a colonized, colonized um, perspectives mm-hmm. we are really a museum in that way um, so, so we have a lot of collaboration with the society and we also have these exhibitions, and the exhibition is what they are expecting from us. But we are trying to to work in a bigger perspective that, that the exhibitions are um, the bonus, in a way. What do you think real, effective climate change action looks like? Well, if you're really going to have good effect of anything that you really need to to slow up least we say say in Norwegian is like turning off the light mm. like if you're going to do something that actually are uh, measurable that you actually can see an effect then you need to stop you have to to black out for for a period of time if if we actually have going to have um some change mm-hmm. um I'm, I'm not so sure if if uh, Nova start or stop uh, using oil or or taking the oil off from ground if if that is going to to solve any problems i'm i'm not so sure about that mm-hmm. oil is also a product of the the land itself so um I think that we need to to find new technology that actually um, are working like transmitting 
the negative gases into positive gases in a way. Mm -hmm. We don't get people to stop watching TV. They are not going to stop taking a train or a car or a plane at all. Mm -hmm. Hopefully they will stop private plane because that is just unnecessary. Um, so I think that we need to, if we're going to have any impact, we need to start focusing on how we can do something with the negative gases, like in agriculture, as an example. Uh, now they have found, I did this with the news, that they have found a bacteria that can turn some of the negative gases from when you, when you have to put the, the fertilizer in the ground. Mm -hmm. They have found some bacteria that actually can eat up the negative gases uh, and reproduce the positive gases in a way, if I did understand it correctly. Mm -hmm. um, they, they are working with technologies to make this that, that is positive and not negative for the, the climate. The climate. Mm -hmm. uh, they are trying to find ways to do this um, that is not forcing us to stop living. So, so I think that if we are going to do any change with the climate, we need to figure out how to do things in another way uh, or how to to transfer the knowledge that we have in practical and not doing silly decisions. Mm -hmm. Like um, using national the, the natural fertilizer instead of the chemistry fertilizer mm -hmm. um, and supporting that, okay, it's going to smell a little bit, but people have to <laughs> understand that that smell is a good smell Yeah, uh, in a way for the climate. So, so it's possible to, to do something that is not going to make this big impact on per, per people's personal lives. Mm. What do you want the future of Norway to look, to look like? And how do you think museums can help the future become a reality? I think that I'm probably not that... Um pessimistic pessimistic about the future for Norway because we are uh, in because where Norway are located actually uh, in the um, in the border to sub Arctic uh, sub Arctic and Arctic uh, areas mm -hmm. I think that the south of Europe have bigger issues when the land dries um, I think probably we have more rain and that can be a problem, and that will be a problem for for the ranger husbandry and also for the agriculture. And I think that the food, make sure that the people of our land have food on the table is one of the most important issues um, we need to be thinking about. And that can actually be a problem with the climate change because because uh, if the land dries, you don't get anything to grow there. If you don't have water, you don't have animal either. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that a Norwegian role in a world perspective is going to be more and more important. Or not only the Norwegian, but every country in the north will have a responsibility to make sure that um, the people in south also have uh, food on the table. Yeah, I think things are going to be changing over time. It's going to be over many generations, but I think that if the worst case scenario ha is going to happen, it's going to be a lot more of um, 
desert mm -hmm. uh, issues in, in a lot of countries. And in our areas, I think that we are going to have more issues with the humid, uh, the rain, and, mm -hmm. and, uh, and the, the, the problems that uh, too much humid and rain can, can, can give on ag agriculture. So, so I think that if I'm not going to be too pessimistic, uh, so I think that Norway is probably going to be uh, in the middle in a way that in South they will probably have more problem with that uh, the land is drying up and in the North we will have more problem with rain, uh, things like that. But I think that if we are looking more south in Europe, they will have more issues that we have. So we are probably going to be the lucky ones in a way. Mm. Uh, and therefore, I'm really hoping that Norway is not going on this carousel of industry mm -hmm. that will uh, destroy the possibility we have for more reindeer husbandry because reindeers and the meat can be a lifeline in the future. Mm -hmm. And also with the agriculture, we need to build up the agriculture of Norway. They are actually, Norway is, is, is one of the countries that have the really bad self-sufficiency. Mm, okay. Uh, yeah, for food. Mm -hmm. Well, Anamai, those are all the questions we have for you. You know, I want to thank you for talking with us today about your work and also to help us understand the challenges Norway faces in dealing with climate change. I'm happy that uh, I was able to participate in this uh, conversation. And um, I hope that my contribution in this discussion can be uh, inspiring to, to more discussions in the future, because I think, think that this is something that is just starting. We need to discuss more um, and we need to be more uh, focusing on, on the different role that we have. Me as a, a director at the museum, but I'm also, I should have mentioned it actually in the beginning, I'm also a farmer. Um, that produce milk is that uh, how cows? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, but also uh, married into reindeer herding. My husband is uh, a reindeer herder, so my kids are both farmers and reindeer herders. Um, and also, I'm uh, working as a director at the museum, but I'm educated uh, by University of Oslo uh, in conservation. So in museum conservation. So so it's. Um, all of that knowledge that I have from different areas, like from the farming and from uh, the reindeer uh, husbandry and, and my education at the university, but also my upbringing uh, as a child of Sami parents and gr my, my grandparents on both sides are, are Sami. Um, and uh, all of those perspectives of my life are impacting the work that I'm doing at the museum. For more information about the Anchorage Museum, 
visit anchoragemuseum.org. This podcast was produced by me, Cody Liska, for the Anchorage Museum, with additional help from Julie Decker. Chattermark's music is produced by Keys Open Doors. Mm-hmm.